All right, welcome back to Talk Talk. I'm your host, Emily Osan. And again, today we're here talking about one of the TOK exhibition prompts, prompt number 12, Is Bias Inevitable in the Production of Knowledge? I'm joined today with Ginny Voigt, teacher of psychology, and to talk about what this means in relation to psychology and production of knowledge and what role bias is playing. What I, I welcome. Thanks again for joining me. You were yeah, on an episode a while ago. Um, what was it that interested you about this topic? Well, I think what interested me is that if knowledge is well, knowledge is produced by human beings. Mm. It's very difficult to eliminate bias because, in the case of psychology, we're the subjects of what we study. Yeah. So it it. To, to separate um, the researcher or the source of the production of knowledge from the subject is really, really difficult. Mm. So I think that that's what um, interests me within my own discipline. By the same token, I think with disciplines maybe in the natural sciences where one might claim that bias is not inevitable, that you can separate the researcher or the producer of knowledge mm. from the subject, in this case, would be an inanimate entity, I would imagine. I still think there's bias because the person interpreting mm. and leading that process of the production of knowledge is led by their own mental schema. Mm -hmm. And so I think that even in the natural sciences, there's an element of bias mm. in the production of knowledge. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think, though, that's one of the things this question points to is that aim of the natural sciences, of the sciences in general, um, to eliminate bias mm. and appreciate that perhaps it is inevitable to some degree, but minimizing it as much as possible mm, mm. is one of the aims of a scientist. Mm. Um, and they do that right through peer review and um, re you know, replication, mm, mm. anything that doesn't hold up to either of those two forms of scrutiny are, you know, if the bias is, becomes mm, mm. apparent through those two forms, you know, then it's not, it's not upheld. Um, and I think that's a nice process as opposed to perhaps other areas where we don't have those, that, that, that's not mm, in. Mm. It's not part of the methodology. Well, psychology itself obviously follows scientific methodology, mm -hmm. especially in biological psychology. We follow the st well, we do we conduct experiments, mm -hmm. and so you are reducing, you are a reductionist. You mm -hmm. reduce variables to their simplest form for mm -hmm. testing purposes, but you operationalizing things or aspects of your research which require indicators of the topic. So let me use an example. If I'm studying conformity, how do I operationalize conformity? If I'm studying something called the halo effect, which is this idea that a person looks good or smart or whatever, mm -hmm. I'm being a bit simplistic there, so is that, you know, that they will, you will attribute other positive traits to them. But you know, it's very difficult to operationalize that. So I'm almost doing that discipline a disservice. There is an attempt to do that. 
My point, I think, always about eliminating bias in the production of knowledge, and I maybe think this about all disciplines, though of course I'm not expert in, in others, is that the researcher, him or herself, comes to research with a particular mental schematic. Mm -hmm. So if you think the human mind is made up of these units called mental schema, mm. and we, we filter any incoming information about our worlds or about minor or major matters through various filters, and those filters are your schematics. So mm. your experience and what you notice and what you look out for is very much related to your interpretation of research and your implementation of mm. research. Yeah, it reminds me, there's a quote I have on my refrigerator. It says, it's a Thoreau quote, it says, it's not what you look at that mm. matters, it's what you see. Yes, So yes. it's that filtering that you're yes, talking about, the yeah, mental schema. Yeah. And that is going to be one of those forms of biases. I think that in that answer to the question, that no matter how you look at it, yes, bias is inevitable. I think the question then becomes, um, is it, how is it possible to avoid the negative impacts? Mm. Does bias always have to have a negative impact? And is it possible to appreciate bias and still have, you know, have, have there be bias and appreciate the knowledge that is produced? Or is it that the knowledge that's produced is really dependent on that bias? And if you take away the underpinnings of that bias, the knowledge becomes no longer true. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we talk about reflexivity in research, mm. in qualitative research. And if you think about the role of reflexivity in qualitative research, it serves a similar purpose to replication in quantitative, in experimental research, mm. in that the researcher looks back and reflects on his or her bias, the various biases mm. in that might be inherent, and acknowledges them and reflects on why this happens and yeah. I think that makes for richer knowledge yeah that's really lovely is, yeah, so it's built into the process it's built into the process so, so it's, yes it's inevitable and therefore and this, this is, is what why we do. and this is why this knowledge I'm producing yeah. matters yeah and why there is the bias mm -hmm. because there are related things so yeah. you know to reduce things to two particular variables or two particular variables is quite difficult I also think you know, if you unpack the words in the prompt. Yeah. Um, that was exactly where I was going to go. Oh, okay. I was say, let's step yeah. back a little bit. Let's talk yeah. about um, what those individual, the, particularly what bias means. Yeah. Well, I would start with inevitable. Oh, interesting. Okay, sure. I, I think that the word inevitable is quite definitive. Yeah. And I don't know if it would, if I would say it's inevitable. Mm. Um, although I could well be contradicting my, my first yeah, I mean, statement. Going with what you said at the start, because we're humans, yes. and knowledge is made by humans, and yeah. even outside of psychology, it's still made by humans. Yeah, yeah. The fact that we just have a human bias, don't yeah, we? Yeah. When you and look at it. Exactly. And I think, but I think the word inevitability, you know, mm. I come from an, an uncertain discipline, and mm. we we're quite willing to live with uncertainty mm -hmm. and we actually quite like it because of this idea that knowledge is not definitive. Mm -hmm. Even in the sciences, I mean, if you 
if you look at in the natural sciences, if you look at food science over mm -hmm. time, what was done deal and definitive 10 years ago, mm -hmm. new knowledge has been produced, mm -hmm. which um, yeah, it contradicts that. Contradicts that. Yeah. So, and that's the whole idea of knowledge is never mm -hmm. definitive and it's never finite. Mm. Um, and so that word inevitable makes it particularly definitive. And because, as I said, mm. because in my discipline, we tend to, to embrace uncertainty. I would say that's a bit strong. <laughs> I also think the word production. Mm -hmm. Production implies that you are producing knowledge. You've got an agenda mm. and you're producing it. Hmm. And I thought of it that way. in producing knowledge, I wonder if there isn't a bias. Mm. It would be different so it's built if, into you, were, the if word you were in the, discovering yeah. oh, true. information. It might be, a you might be, but when you're producing knowledge, mm. it, that word kind of implies to me that there's a... An agenda, mm -hmm. and so when there's an agenda, there's, there's there's a bias. There's a bias. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. I usually think of produce producing knowledge to me conjures up a bunch of people working together mm. to do that thing, mm. I, and I kind of it goes in a similar way with developing, um, and neither of them necessarily have that connotation in my mind. But I do mm. think that. You're onto something there. That mm. There's something to be unpacked there as well. So if you if you think about it that way, then the question is obvious. Like it's kind of like a contradiction in terms. Yeah. In the in the question itself. So. But going back to inevitable, it, I kind of read that as like it's unavoidable. You have mm -hmm. it's going to happen no matter what. Mm -hmm. And then I wondered about that. Is that therefore always a bad thing? Is there ever a time where it's sometimes desirable? And it makes me think a lot about the arts. And I think bias is it really you know bias if we actually back up to bias itself it's it in its terms so I looked up on the Cambridge definition because in my own mind I'm thinking bias is like a bad thing it's, mm -hmm. a, it's something mm -hmm. like you want you either feel you're leaning towards mm -hmm. or against and it's always got that negative connotation of prejudice mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. unfairness and and actually, I had on a previous episode, I had talked about bias as could it not just be the lens through which you view the world? Mm -hmm. And I've since kind of re... I think that that is a possible interpretation, but I don't think that's really... Bias mm -hmm. is an inclination or prejudice for or against something, specifically something that's unfair or prejudicial mm -hmm. or close-minded. It has those connotations. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, I mean... There's perhaps a good reason sometimes to be narrow-minded for a purpose, mm. but it is always going to have some positive impact on one thing, perhaps that privileged group that the bias is leaning towards, mm. or a negative impact on the other group, mm. the other groups mm. of um, whether it's humans or nature, for example. Mm. As I mentioned, we have a human bias, don't we? Mm. Everything mm. we do is about mm. our human experience, sure. not thinking... Uh, you know, we, we mm. assume mm. that humans are superior to animals and plants mm. and even the planet we're living on. And therefore, all the knowledge we're producing leans towards what benefits humans mm. rather than, you know, earthworms, for example. Yeah. So um, another kind of la language I had picked up was it has also to do with the influence of personal opinion on your judgment. Mm. 
So I think when we think about those things, I don't think bias is always inevitable because it doesn't always have to have that negative impact. Mm -hmm. I would say that that's quite a biased definition of bias, <laughs> to be very honest. What is your definition? Because I think in scientific terms, bias means leaning towards something. So if you take a sampling bias, you know, in the human sciences, one of the things that we really try and control as far as possible is, is sampling bias, where, you know, in the 70s in psychology, nearly every sample group, right. when they were studying memory, problem solving, cognitive processing, were white male right. university yeah. students. What right. they, there's a term for them. And we still rely on that research for an understanding of a lot of cognitive processes, yeah. right? But really, you've got an inherent sampling bias. Mm -hmm. So you can't generalize to everybody. Once you've produced the knowledge, how do you want to use it? And in the human sciences anyway, who are you generalizing mm -hmm. that, that knowledge to? I mean, take the example of memory in the 70s. I mean, we still use that research. Mm -hmm. But there was incredible sampling bias. Later, cross-cultural research has shown that, in fact, in traditional societies, because there's a reliance not on when you're learning, putting things in categories, but putting them in contexts, mm. so in stories, etc., the processing of memory is totally different. Mm. But you do want to study that. So, mm. I mean, we use the terms emic research. Sometimes we want that bias mm -hmm. because emically you want to understand how the people in oh. Sierra Leone mm. process or, or yeah, process um, incoming information. So I think in the human sciences, biases around the, your subjects are inherent mm -hmm. and sometimes desirable yeah. when you are looking at culturally specific behaviors. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think one bias that is perhaps inevitable is our own cultural bias. Mm. And being, it's, it's I, I, I was listening to a masterclass with Will deGrasse Tyson, mm. who has, has questionably been canceled, but regardless, he has so many good things to say about bias. Mm. And one of the things he was talking about was a distinction between bias, which is very oftentimes difficult for us to be aware of, yeah. um, and assumptions that we make about the world. Mm. And those are kind of easy. So he was talking about, like, I assume that when I sit down in a chair, the chair will hold me up. Mm. And he said, actually, you can list out all the things you assume. It's a little tedious, but you can, you can write yeah. out all those yeah. assumptions that you're taking. And he was saying, as well, that you really need assumptions to begin your research mm. so that you have questions to prove or disprove wrong, you know, mm. To, mm. to investigate. So without any sort of assumption, you have nothing to begin with, to, you know, mm. to start with. So it's, the easy thing are the assumptions that we make. Mm. The harder things are our biases, particularly cultural biases, because we grow up not questioning those. Mm. And they're harder to see than our assumptions. And those perhaps are the ones, like you were talking about with psychology and, and that, um, what was it, the, the researcher in replication uh, and of quantitative data that you're meant to be mm. Uh, part of that process is mm -hmm. recording your own bias and mm -hmm. reflecting on your own bias. Right. Reflexivity. 
it almost feels like to me you would need someone else to bounce that off of. Like you would need someone to be like, okay, here's what I think my biases are. What do you think? (laughs) And to find someone who really contrasts with you culturally in order to bounce those off. I mean, I find that in my daily life. If I just start talking to people who are not a white woman uh, over 40, I, I find those, you know, those biases quite quickly. I go, oh, it makes me aware of my own. Yes, yeah. And it also allows me to adjust those and say, actually, I don't like this yeah. one, right? Well, I mean, if, and, and a couple of things based on what you were just saying. In social psychology, there are two schools of thinking. The one is the critical, think, the critical um, school of thought, and the other is the experimental school of thought. Mm. So a lot of the social psychology classic studies that we still rely on, like Zimbardo, Milgram, mm. Solomon Ash, etc., those were all done in laboratories. Yeah. And the critical social psychologists say that in social psychology, where you're looking at social functioning and societal, societal functioning, the, the experiment where you're controlling all these variables is, in fact, a social situation. Yeah. Because there's a researcher, because there's a subject, there are roles. And he says, inherently, you cannot recreate a prison. Yeah. Unless you can only study these things from within. Yeah. Because otherwise, you'll never really understand I mean, you would change the nature of it. You would change, well, just by virtue of the fact that it is an experiment. But I wonder if that's not also in a a way trying to remove the bias and make what the findings are more generalizable in a sense about who we are as humans, not Mm. necessarily who we are as a culture Mm. or who we are as individuals. Mm. Mm. I mean, I think that's um, an interesting approach, right? It's not necessarily more or less reliable um, or wrong. And and I agree, I think in some ways what you're saying, like that you, like that that experimental approach may actually be quite limited because you've created the conditions and therefore the conditions aren't And you know, it lacks ecological validity then. Mm. You know, are you going to achieve the same results in the natural world? Yeah. Um, In which case you've biased your findings towards a very controlled yeah. situation mm-hmm. um, in a, with very specific mm. terms. Okay, and then the other thing that I was thinking about while you were talking, Emily, was the language you use. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that language is important, and I don't know if sure. in TOK of course. You can still, language is still an Absolutely. area of knowledge. It's actually it's a theme it's, it's, that we it's talk a about. Theme. And it runs and through the whole course because it is so important in, in relation to how we understand. Yeah, and I think that language mm. and the language of science, etc., is makes the production of knowledge inherently biased mm-hmm. because it is the language of science, right? Yeah. I, I think that language is important, and I think you need to reflect on the language you're using. So mm-hmm. if I take experimental science I'm using experimental language Mm -hmm. and I might not be accounting for all kinds of other things in which case I'm biased towards the rigidity of reductionism yeah that's you bring up a really good point and I feel like that is a whole nother topic in fact I've been talking about this language um, issue kind of over and over on every podcast and 
just it comes up it inevitably comes up mm. one of the things that occurs to me in relation to bias is the fact that we're speaking now in English and yeah. a lot of you know that 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 dominance of English in the in the international world particularly on the internet and therefore the production of knowledge in that language mm. There's the, the bias itself there is mm. going to be in the production and the purpose mm. and ev everything, who it's for, who can access it. Yeah. Um, it is, in that sense, inevitable and uh, probably not always desirable. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there is a desirability in the fact that if everyone speaks the same language, we mm. can potentially all understand. Mm. That idea is wonderful at its heart, but in reality is not appreciative of the vast number of languages yeah. and cultures and the role that language plays in, in all of those. Mm -hmm. So the, it's, it's interesting to think that like we can produce knowledge in one language and is it still even applicable in another culture? In another culture. Yeah. Because there you've got interpretation. Yeah. Oh, okay, we'll leave it on that. We, I okay. definitely need to pick up with a language question soon because it just keeps coming up and I'd yeah, like to build yeah. on that. But again, thank you so much oh, for joining me today in a busy, fun. busy oh, round the last yeah, week of yeah. school. Oh, no. oh, I hope uh, it was it was good. good. I always love chatting this stuff. Yeah, super. Thank you so much.